You know, they're in a locked room. How did Jesus get in there? Well, we learned that he wasn't just physically raised from the dead, but in a sense, he was a spiritual being at this point. And so literally, Jesus walks through the wall, and he's standing there with them. And you can only imagine the fear, maybe, that they were feeling, not just from the Jewish leaders, but now there's Jesus. And for many of them, this is their first time seeing Jesus since the resurrection. There was a guilt and an emotion that had overwhelmed the disciples because in, back in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, all the disciples deserted him and fled. And some of them had yet to see him up till this moment. And so when Jesus walked through the wall and is standing there in the room with them, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. You know, abandonment is a very real thing in our world. And in some cases, a man will abandon a woman when she's pregnant, and then that woman is stuck in a single mother type situation. Now that's not the case in all of the situations where there's a single parent, but abandonment is a very real issue. And so when I see single mothers or single fathers raising children completely on their own, it inspires me. I mean, I remember what it means to have a young baby as a young married couple and trying to balance it all at once together. And I could not imagine the challenges that face a single parent when they're trying to do the same thing alone. And yet when someone can do that excellently and not just live their life as a single parent, but and on top of all that, be an excellent Christian, it inspires me. It greatly inspires me. One of the single mothers, we have a few in our church, but one of the single mothers that really inspire me is our dear sister, Michaela. Now, she's sick. We need to keep her in our prayers. But a couple weeks ago, she worked a very uh, challenging week at work. She's a manager. She does catering at the Air Force Base. And so she, she was working all by herself. Several of the staff had called out throughout the week. She worked by herself 68 hours that week. And her little daughter, Tasia, is amazing. Yeah, she is. I think Terry would agree with that. <laughs> but you know, Tasia is just such an incredible little girl. And it's clear that Michaela loves her deeply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And although she works 68 hours that week, I had talked to her on the phone a couple times. That Sunday, she showed up to church early, last Sunday, early with Mother's Day cards and flowers for all the moms in the church. And I thought, wow, this is a selfless woman who not only is meeting her own needs, not only is she meeting the needs of her daughter, but she's also going out to meet the needs of the disciples in the church. And that inspired me. I hope you're inspired by her incredible example. You know, there are lots of excuses that we can make for why we are not doing what we need to do as Christians in the eyes of God. And Jesus says that we need to drink the living water. Jesus says that we need to have the water that will sustain us spiritually. So that no matter what the weather is like outside, no matter what challenges you're facing or circumstances you're going through, you can still be full of life spiritually. However... If we don't take in that living water regularly, we can become spiritually dehydrated. What are the signs of dehydration? 
dry mouth, headaches, low energy, disorientation, muscle cramps, bad breath, and mood swings. And I think that the spiritual consequences of spiritual dehydration are just about the same thing. Yeah. Number one, dry mouth. You know, if you're not active in sharing your faith, if your mouth is dry from the gospel, you are spiritually dehydrated. Mm. When was the last time you really shared your faith with a neighbor? Yeah. I mean, in Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6, there's only one chapter, so you won't have a hard time finding it. <laughs> it says, be active in sharing your faith so that you may grow in your knowledge of Christ. Right. Yeah. And one of the ways that we grow in our knowledge and grow in our faith is by sharing that faith with other people. Yep. And so when we get dry mouth and we stop sharing that faith, your faith doesn't just plateau, it starts to diminish. Mm. We need to be active in sharing our faith. Amen. You know, one of the things that really helps us be active in sharing our faith, and big shout out right here to our sister Lisa, are yeah. uh, these little church invitations right here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's awesome when people have <laughs> talents and then they can multiply those talents for the Lord. These uh, invites are in the back and grab some on your way out. But uh, this is a pretty cool picture. Lisa actually took this picture. Wow. And then also <laughs> had to turn it into a church invitation. And so uh, pretty cool. We have enough to go around. You can grab some in the back on your way out. So none of us are going to struggle with dry mouth this week. You know, one of the other things is, is spiritual headaches. You know, when, when Satan can get in your head and fill your head with doubts, insecurities, or impurities, he can really destroy you mentally. And in turn, it will affect you spiritually. Yeah. So how is the purity going? The purity of your mind? Or have you allowed Satan to spiritually dehydrate you? Thirdly, low energy. You know, the Bible does say in Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! And of course... Romans chapter 12 says, never be lacking in zeal. So how's it going? Did you show up to church this morning full of zeal, ready to give? And hopefully we'll wake up Monday with the same amount of energy. Disorientation. You know, when we are unorganized, when we are undisciplined, and we are disoriented spiritually, it can really ruin your week. Yeah. And we've got to make sure that we are organized and we are disciplined so that God can work through us in an even more powerful way. Yeah. Muscle cramping. You know what paralyzes a disciple is a constant battle with sin. Right. When you are struggling with the same things over and over and over, it will paralyze you. Yeah. And you will feel just unable to do what God wants you to do. Obeying the Bible looks even more challenging. You're experiencing spiritual dehydration. Bad breath. Spiritually. Of course, no one's struggling with actual bad breath in the room this morning. Except maybe me, because I haven't had a mint since my cup of coffee. But you know what? We are walking around with spiritual bad breath. It's discouraging to be around us. Everything that comes out of your mouth is negative, pessimistic, critical, insulting. And yet that's not who we want to be because that's not who Jesus was. Yeah. And we have an opportunity, as Ephesians 4.29 says, to build others up yeah. with our words. Yeah. Spiritual mood swings. You know, there was a time in my life where I was trying to be a Christian, but I was living a double life. 
Back in college, I had a hard time really wrestling with my sin, and I'd confess my sin, and I'd get open, and I'd repent, and I'd get open and repent, and eventually it became so challenging, I just held it all in, and I started living a double life. I was one person at church, and then another person with my friends or at school, and so I was literally having these spiritual mood swings where I would <laughs> act super spiritual around the other Christians, and then I would be as worldly as all my other friends when I, when I left church. And I had these spiritual mood swings. And what really took me out was my guilt. Mm. I just could not fathom how God would continually forgive me. And yet we all know from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if you walk in the light, he's faithful and will forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. We don't need to have spiritual mood swings when we're spiritually hydrated. Amen? Amen. You know, I really want to commend all of the disciples in the church that have been working so tirelessly and so hard and going after their personal missions contribution. Yeah. I was so inspired this past week. One of our young brothers came up to me. And after hearing the word of God, he says, Joel, I, I didn't know that that's what missions goes to. I, I had no idea that it actually touches all these people in all these different countries. I'm so incredibly inspired. I want to give $1,300 this week toward missions contribution. I said, are you sure? He says, I'm sure. I said, amen. And he gave that check this morning. You know, it's really amazing what God can do through a hydrated disciple. I mean, the energy is up, the zeal is up, their, their mind is clear, they can't stop talking about their faith, they're organized, they're disciplined, they're not struggling with sin, they're open about it, and they receive the forgiveness of sins. We want to be that disciple. Yeah. Let's continue reading in John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If anyone forgives sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow. You know, Jesus again brings peace. Notice that when Jesus came into the room, he brought peace, not payback. And you go, well, what do you mean? Jesus was completely abandoned by these guys. And why were they so overjoyed when he came back into the room? Because they felt unworthy to even be around him. And so Jesus comes back. He brings them peace. And then the Bible says right here that he breathes on them. Now, in the original manuscripts, this word breathe is only used once in the entire New Testament. It is used once in the Old Testament as the Hebrew was translated into Greek in the Septuagint. And so the one verse in the Old Testament that also uses breathe is when God breathes life into people. Wow. And so in the same way that God breathed life into death, into dust, into you, in the same way Jesus was breathing life in the Holy Spirit into the disciples right here. Wow. You know, God wants to breathe life into you today Amen. through his word. And Jesus here closes with some teaching about forgiveness. And the Bible says that Jesus teach, teaches that if you don't forgive, they won't be 
Forgive it. And this, of course, reminds you of all the times through the Gospels that Jesus was talking about forgiveness. The times when he repeated the same exact phrase. We need to understand that when we receive the forgiveness of God, we can then give that forgiveness to others. Peter um, got two free tickets to the Mariners game a couple weeks ago. And so, Courtney and I got to go to the Mariners game last night. Nice. And it was a lot of fun, you know, really awesome seats, left center, right center, I don't really know the difference, but <laughs> we had a really good time just hanging out, getting some quality, you know, one-on-one time. Thank you, Gina, for watching the kids last night. Yeah. And, you know, as we're sitting there, I was reminded of a baseball game I went to in the summer of 2015, back in upstate New York. It was a minor league team. No, no, no <laughs> important teams are in Syracuse, New York, but... Valid. <laughs> We're at this baseball game, and I'll never forget, the batter goes up to the, up to the plate, and he hits the ball, and it goes flying into our section, and we were with a few of the disciples from the church, and it was coming right at this one sister, Danielle, and everyone saw it coming. I mean, it was just a straight line from the bat up into the stands, and we're just watching this thing come straight at her head, and at the last moment, she realizes it, and she ducks, and it hits the chair. It hits her chair, and it bounces onto the ground and rolls down the aisle a little bit, and an old man picks it up. And the old man kind of looks at it, and everyone's laughing and cheering because Danielle's alive. (laughs) And he looks over at me, and I'm holding my seven-month-old son at the time, and he goes, hey, give this to the little guy. I go, oh, sir, are you sure? He goes, absolutely. And I I take it, and I'm like, oh, Brenton, here's your first foul ball. And he's so happy, and he's holding this thing, and he doesn't really understand the significance of it, but he likes baseballs. And so he's got this thing, and everyone just in our section just starts cheering for Brenton. And he kind of freaks out and drops the ball, and, you know, we give it back to him, and, and he just held on to it. A few minutes later, this small boy, maybe five or seven, I'm not... At that age, so I can't really tell. But this young boy comes walking over, and he's like scooching his way down our aisle. And I'm like, who is this kid? And he literally comes right up to my chair, and he goes, hi, can I have that ball? And I'm like, really? This ball from this baby? And the boy's like, yeah. Reason, I go, well, I guess Brinson's not going to remember this moment anyway. So. Oh. All right, yeah, sure. Here you go, buddy. And he goes off. And I, was, I had a little resentment in my heart. <laughs> my I'll be honest. I mean, my, my son's very first ever foul ball. And I give it to this little kid, and later it kind of dawned on me why was it so hard for me to give this ball to this little boy? I did not catch the foul ball. Mm. I did not go after the foul ball. It was given to me by an old man. And I was very happy to receive it. Why was it so hard to give something away that I did nothing to earn? And it hit on me, and I preached on it that Sunday, that that's what forgiveness is. We've been given it from from God, an old man, and yet we're just asked to give it to the others around us. And when we have a hard time giving, it's because we're having a hard time getting. And we've got to understand the importance of giving forgiveness and, and having reconciliation in the relationships around us because it doesn't just reflect how you feel toward that person. It actually reflects 
how you feel toward God. You know, we have an opportunity when there are bad attitudes or contempt or bitterness or quiet reservations of any type. We have an opportunity to understand the grace of God. Yeah. Jesus on, says, if you don't forgive, they won't be forgiven. Let's give forgiveness as we've been forgiven. You guys are yeah. yeah. Come on, bro. Let's continue reading in John chapter 20. Wow. You know, Brenton is such a giving child. Yes. Uh, he's got this new thing nowadays where uh, we'll be out on a family walk a couple mornings a week. And if a runner goes by, you know, everyone's like, jump out of the way. <laughs> Brenton always runs toward the runners and he gives them high fives. <laughs> As they're running by, and they just love it like every time, and they love it, and he loves it. And I do think that that's how we need to just be so willing to give out forgiveness to those around us. And in John chapter 20 and verse 26, we see a little bit more of this. It says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. You know, we must experience a risen Messiah to truly know forgiveness. Thomas here experiences the risen Messiah. I mean, he gets to touch the holes in Jesus' hand. Now, it wasn't bloody. It was totally healed. He sticks his hand into the side of Jesus, not to feel any blood or guts or anything like that, but to feel a healed wound that brought Jesus no more pain. And he experienced it. And let me tell you, you can only imagine a smile coming on Thomas' face, a sense of joy and peace, a sense of security, no more doubt but full of faith. Mm. The Bible doesn't talk about Thomas again. And yet, we know Thomas went on to live a very faithful life in the ministry. Mm -hmm. Thomas ends up preaching in India. And he's preaching to some pagan priests in a temple just outside the city of Chennai. And he's preaching powerfully to these guys, calling them to repent. And they get out spears. And they bring, the priests bring the spears to the pulpit, and they spear Thomas in front of the crowd. Now I can only imagine that when Thomas saw the blade of the spear, he was reminded of the spear that entered Jesus' side, mm. and the healing that it brought. Mm. And of course, in his faithfulness, he died a martyr, Wow! because he experienced a risen Messiah. Come on, Joel. There is great victory in experiencing a risen Messiah and receiving yeah. the forgiveness of sins that fills you with faith to be willing to do whatever God wants you to do. You guys with me here? Yeah. Yeah. Let's continue reading in John chapter 21, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out into, and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore, 
But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and then you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing their net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, fish 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he raised from the dead. You know, Jesus got up early to meet these guys at the water and prepare breakfast for them. And he's already cooking some fish, but he saw the number of guys out there in the boat, and he said, man, let's have a really awesome breakfast. Bring all of those fish over to me. But notice here, they're out in the water. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Yeah. Implying maybe that it was on the left, or maybe that it was on the wrong side of the boat. <laughs> And they had to throw it on the right side of the boat. Right. And on the right side of the boat, they got so many fish that the nets were not torn. It was a miracle of God. That they were able to handle so much stress from all the weight of the fish that it was not torn. They said, man, let's remember this miracle. Count up. How many large fish are there? 153. Wow, well, don't even count the medium-sized and small-sized ones. 153 large fish. They come to Jesus, and Jesus makes them breakfast. You know, numbers quantify the miracles. And I really believe on June 10th, 63,000 will quantify a miracle. Amen? But you know, this was a statement for the guys. This was a statement that he was serving them that he loved them, that he hadn't given up on them, that he was ready to forgive them, but that the miracles were going to start again. This was a reminder of the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. When Peter was out there fishing, he hadn't caught anything, and Jesus said, throw your net on the other side of the, on the, other side of the boat. And they caught so much fish, they filled two boats. This was... A sign that Jesus was not done with his ministry and that the miracles would happen again. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, this breakfast was a statement. Yeah. Is there anyone in your life that you would not make breakfast for right now? You see, when we have bad attitudes, bitterness, contempt, it's going to keep us from dining. With those that we love. Maybe the better question is, is there anyone you would hesitate to make breakfast for? Mm. Jesus, early in the morning, without hesitation, made breakfast 
for all of those who abandoned him at the cross. You know, to die with Jesus, you must completely forgive others. Even the worst offenders. You know, this past week, tragedy struck Santa Fe High School. As a gunman went in there, as a student, and killed 10 people and injured at least 10 more. There is a lot of wickedness out there. Yeah. Yeah. And yet even the greatest offenders need the forgiveness of Jesus. You know, we got to appreciate the fact that God doesn't just forgive the situation, but he gives a saving forgiveness. You know, for us, we can't save each other. But we can reconcile relationships and give true forgiveness to each other. And it is our responsibility, full of the Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into us, to give that sort of forgiveness to others, to keep our relationships strong. We've got to appreciate Jesus' death on the cross. It was meaningful. It was so that you could be justified. What does justified mean? Just if I never sinned. Just if I never sinned. When God looks at you as a Christian, someone who's walked in the light, who's forgiven other people and repented of their sin, you are justified in the eyes of God. He does not hold anything against you. Isn't that incredible? And yet, is everyone in your life justified in your eyes? Just if they've never sinned? Have you overlooked the offenses? Have you forgiven the, the mistreatments? Or do you struggle with your relationships? Come on, bro. You know, we've got to throw our nets on the right side of the boat. Amen. We've got to get our hearts right and reconcile all of our relationships. Let the grace of God be a motivator for you to have deep Relationships. I have three points this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Very short points. Let's go over to Acts chapter 2. The miracles would start again. And the disciples had an opportunity to do something that they now understood fully. That as the nets almost broke, but didn't, that they could handle more fish. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up at the day of Pentecost to preach a powerful sermon. And he closes it out with his his final point. In verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Point number one, repent and receive the forgiveness of your sins. You know, right here, Peter closes out his sermon, and he's convinced all of the people there that they are sinners in the eyes of God, that their sins put Jesus on the cross, and they needed to receive forgiveness. Now, Peter at this point could have said anything. I mean, this is day one of the church. He could have said anything at this point, but he says, repent, change, metanoia, turn your life around, and be baptized. For the forgiveness of your sins. Mm. 
If someone's going to receive the forgiveness of sins, it needs to be in the waters of baptism post-repentance. Yep. You see, in our world today, we're taught a doctrine where you get saved and then you figure the other stuff out later. When Jesus says, you've got to hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay. Right here we see a teaching from Peter that we've got to repent from our sins and then we get the forgiveness of those sins yeah. in the waters of baptism. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, see the person that brought you out or go talk to me and we can explain a little bit further. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Point number two. Examine your relationships. Come on, Joel. In verse 42, you have about 120 disciples, as we read in chapter 1, verse 15. And now we got about 3,120. And it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Mm. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and wonders and signs were power, were performed by the by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. You know, right here, we, we understand that there is an opportunity. Once you're in the church, in the eyes of God, you have an opportunity to get some awesome relationships right here. Oh, yeah. And according to 1 John chapter 3, we if we cannot love our brother whom we can see, how can we claim to love God whom we cannot see? Right. And so we've got to have a conviction right here that the, they, this church was totally devoted, yes, to God, mm -hmm. but also to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times do we see a reference to the gathering of everyone all together? Yeah. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone was filled with awe. All the believers were together. They sold property. And every day, they continued to meet together. You see, there was a, a group of people that were totally unified. They had everything in common. We go, how is that possible that they had everything in common? You're telling me that, that they were all just, you know, the same kind of people and, you know, the same hobby, hobbies and the same, uh, you know, interests and things like that. No, no, no. And everything coming. Mm -hmm. Because if you give up everything, and I give up everything, now we got everything in common. Right? <laughs> and so when these guys who had given up everything for the sake of the gospel, they were totally unified in Christ. Come on, Amen. If you've received the forgiveness of your sins, and you've examined all your relationships, lastly, you need to walk with God. Come on. Please start with me to 1 John chapter 5. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Chapter 1. We're close here. First John chapter 1 and verse 5. Come on, Joel. This is the message we've heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and you walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. My last challenge to all of us, including myself, is to walk in the light. To walk with God. Don't just experience God. Don't have a temporary relationship with Him. Don't let this just be a phase that you go through in life. But actually walk with God. How do you do that? 
you walk in the light. Amen. You be open about your life. You grow in your relationships. And you will know what it means to have breakfast with Jesus. Thank you. Have an awesome afternoon.